Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Hi guys, and welcome to Life from the Well. My name's Joey, and I'll be your bartender and host. This is the podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes service industry stories and in-depth cocktail profiles. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy the show. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. We here at Life from the Well would love to hear from you. Head on over to lifefromthewell.com forward slash guest and fill out our guest questionnaire so we can get to know you better and we'll be in touch. Life from the Well. All right. And joining us today is Tony Lombrazo. Tony's a bartender who's joining us all the way from the Windy City. Um, Tony, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. Um, now, we like to uh, start the show with um, a shot. I know you got to go to work. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be a, a bad influence here. Oh, that's, that's fine. Cheers, man. Salute. Salute. Salute you. Oh. Uh, now I'll just have coffee. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. I always like to start the show off with a little bit of guest history, just so people can get a general idea of like you know who you are and what your what your experience is like. Um, so, um, being a, a service industry professional at this point in your life, um, looking back, what, what got you into it? What was your first gig? And I started it all the way back in, uh, 1988 was my first gig and college and I was started as a door job and, uh, I liked it and I moved my way up to bartender from there. My first bartending shift was a St. Patrick's Day, uh, fourteen. Baptized by fire, huh? I you have no idea. There was a there actually was a fire down the street, and we lost door to it to the building, and it was a four hundred people in the dark for a couple hours. Uh, was pretty interesting way to start. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's that's also like you're never gonna have, or you very very rarely are gonna have days that crazy. So it's kind of fun to start off a little crazy and then have everything yeah. just be like. Yeah underwhelming right it's all cake <laughs> that's awesome um so 88 what what uh, so <laughs> al along the uh, across the 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 span of your career what, what are all the different uh, positions you've held i guess in the service industry uh mostly bartender i've had a few managing jobs uh but i like that's a little too much responsibility for me i guess <laughs> i feel you less headaches that way you know mm-hmm I feel like bartenders, bartenders are a good job for people who don't want to be in charge but still want to run things. Exactly. Yeah. Because you are kind of in charge for the, the times you're behind the bar. And then with anybody, you know, the owner's not going to yell as much as uh, the manager gets yelled at. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good thing is you, you, you get to run things, but then you can still always just bring your manager over and be like, okay, talk to this angry person. I don't want to. <laughs> like being in the army. <laughs> exactly. Sort of. pass, the, pass the buck Just look busy look busy and and let someone else deal with it that's right yep 
<clears throat> nice, man. Um, cool. Let's see. I thought of a fun question earlier, too. Um, so what's something um, that you wish you would have known when you started out way back on that St. Patrick's Day, I think looking back from uh, where you are now? Oh, boy. I think uh, people management is the... Is the I wish somebody would have gave me a little schooling on that. I mean, we're in a business of changing, changing people's perception and reality. Trying to judge that is, uh, it's been the most difficult thing I, I think I've, uh, I've done in this business. I wish I had somebody to show me the ropes on that, maybe get a little, get a little schooling, you know. Now everybody's coming from the same point you are. And mm -hmm. that's, that's one thing I wish I had, uh, I had somebody to talk to me about. I like that. The yeah. mental side of it all, dealing with the crowd. That's, I feel like that's one of the things we always tried to train people early on too. We would say, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I used to, one of my favorite sayings was, was I could teach a monkey how to make a drink, but you know, we're looking for someone who can handle the crowd. <laughs> you know, someone who knows how to. I how say, to, I to do I, people. Uh, you could always, I always say you could put a monkey behind the bar, but the, you know, anybody can make a drink, but it's really, the, it's the people part. That's the, that's where the talent comes in, I think, you know? Totally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, we're even seeing that with the bartending robots now, right? <laughs> There's yeah. bartending robots that can make drinks, but they're still not, and they, you know, they may be, even if they can get them quicker, which I don't think they are, um, you know, it's, you're still missing that, that human element that, that so many people go to the bar for, you know, the, the low budget therapy or just, you know, their friend that works there that they check in on a couple times a week. Yeah. I the, that bartending robot that's that's been muddled around for for years and it's only a matter of time but that's you know you could drink people could drink at home but why why would you actually go to a bar you know you need to some personal interaction right that's the whole point of the bar i mean it was it was really just a social club um with without the rules of the church you know <laughs> you know it's a place to go see people in town where, where you're not getting yelled at essentially that's true or yeah that's true yeah not like Everyone's got a wife or a husband at home, you know, you know, it's always been the great escape and you know, just kind of, it's the, it's that, that little place you can go and, and yeah, I don't know, we, we all watch cheers, <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and it feels good. And you've got a group of friends there that are going to sit there and get drunk with you and you can laugh at stuff and throw things at the wall. It's great. Yeah. Life's hard enough already. Why do you need to make it any more complicated? You know? Exactly. So, uh, what, what got you into bartending in the first place? What 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 led you to uh, to this walk of life? Uh, yeah, well, I spent a lot of time in bars before I, I started working at one. Uh, I always uh, liked to throw parties, and I was a sociable, so I figured I could combine stuff I like to do anyway, and then make money doing it. Mm -hmm. Especially when nineteen twenty years old, it all seems like a party anyway. So hell yeah. Why go down that road you know it was easy street you know it was easy hell yeah, hell yeah. it was that I, you rock know, star life man right yeah totally yep the closest thing you can get to being a rock star without it <laughs> totally yeah. that's that yeah, yeah that was one of the selling points i think that got me to, to commit fully to was, was just kind of the freedom and, and fun that came with all of it <laughs> yeah fucking girls all night you know it's not, you not hard you walk home with a pocket full of cash every day hey. Yeah, it's not hard to convince a 20-year-old guy that that's a, that's a good decision to make, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, 
So along, uh, of all of the skill sets that you've, you've, you've built up along the way, um, what do you think is one of the most unique skills that you've learned from bartending that's helped you um, in, in your everyday life? Mm, well, uh, like I said earlier, I think the, uh, the dealing with people. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're coming back to that, but I still like to hear it. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, I was, uh, I was uh, very shy when I started, too. Mm -hmm. So it's helped me. Uh, it's helped me overcome my shyness. You know, yeah. I had my friends and I'd be sociable with them. But if I if, if you took me, you know, in a, in a room full of people, I, I would freeze up. And mm -hmm. Feel like uh, that's one of my specialties. You know, I can get anybody to talk about anything, I think, in a certain amount of time. You know, that's awesome, man. I, 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 uh, I relate to that and I, and I, I like it. It's good shit. I think. Um, yeah, I remember I was, remember the first table I ever served way back 20, 20 some years ago. But um, it was it was uh, some of the most anxiety I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> it was just one person. And I had to go up and talk to her about the specials, and uh, and I, 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 I yeah, crack in my voice. I was just like, oh. <laughs> I always heard if they could tell how nervous I was, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, sometimes you know, if you put me, uh, you take I'm you take me out from behind a bar. I still I can still clam up, you know, in certain situations. But you put me uh, behind a bar anywhere, I I. For some reason, I loosen up right away and wish I had that with me uh, all the time. You know, yeah. I think it's that that three feet of space, you know, that, that yeah. really helps me at least. Oh. <laughs> all the time. Three feet of wood makes a big difference uh, mm -hmm. in, in my confidence level. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't like it when people can see me from the waist down. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, used to, I used to tell people I didn't want to serve tables because I felt too exposed. I don't like it. You can walk up to me and just touch me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. true. I know. Yeah, that's very, uh, I've, uh, that's very true. I, I, I gotta like say, from this whole COVID thing, the social distancing has kind of given us that, which has been really nice. That's, yeah, you're right. You tell people, people are, that they need to be at least six feet away from you. Yeah, that's grabby. <laughs> Yeah, so we're get, we're getting some positives out of all this nastiness, which is good. I had a uh, I had a uh, a guy come into the bar when I was first starting out. I was I don't know, I was probably like twenty three, twenty four, and like I said, I was really shy in the beginning. And and he was he was probably in his sixties, and he had worked in that bar that I was at years and years ago when it was something completely different. Telling me, you know, he's get he kind of got mad at me because I wasn't uh, talking to him, and he trying to tell me that, you know, as I get older, I'm going to have to start to learn, learn how to talk to people <laughs> by my looks, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. I was like, whatever, old man, you're so whatever, you know, yeah. and true, I guess, you know, I learned how to talk to people and it's, it made a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of the, the game changer, right? When, when you, I feel like a lot of bartenders get that right where you come in and you, you, you get hot on yourself because of your skill and you're moving fast and working through the crowd. And you, then you find that other element of, of, of connecting with people and, and, and just kind of being, being the bartender. It's, yeah. It's, it's I, a that neighborhood role. Yeah. It happened to me the other day. I got, I got frustrated with somebody and because I couldn't get through, you know, he's sitting in the way of the aisle or something. And uh, I had to remind myself, you know, what, you know what I'm supposed to be doing it's not just about the just not about the business parts you know to me it's a job for them it's something different you know yeah there to hang out and have a good time not to yeah watch me freak out about something you know so 
that's kind of funny. I think that's that's a good thing for us all to know too. I think as bartenders that that we're de- we're going to work, but but everybody else is is you know is going to relax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to remember that sometimes. You know, you can get mm-hmm, caught up for sure. It's a weird thing to come to terms with. You know, for me anyway. Yeah. No, I think for a lot of people, definitely. That's. I mean, it's it's because uh, it's it's what the crowd is doing around you too, right? You know, you, you realize that you're. You're the one. You're the responsible one in the room now. And you're like, crap. When, I, mean, I, I never signed up for this. Like, what the hell? That's why I never like managing because it was a little too much, you know. Yeah. Well, because then but you got yeah. all the all the all your coworkers coming up to you asking asking questions too. You know? That's right. Yeah. It's like being a parent in an insane asylum or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where where everybody's drunk all the time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Let's jump into, I've got the cocktail history on here. So I think if I'm, if I remember right, I could actually reference your sheet because it's right here. Old fashioned Manhattan margarita with the three cocktails we put on there for kind of your tops. Yeah, I worked at a, I worked at a couple of classic uh, cocktail joints in Chicago. So those are my, uh, I've made so many of those. Nice. Mind, mind numbing, you know, 30, 30 years of, of making old fashions and lots of, lots of muddling. Huh? It's amazing. I, I don't have carpal tunnel yet, but let's knock on. <laughs> do you do anything uh, to counter that or is it just, just good genes? Uh, well, I try and, I try and exercise as much as anybody, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. lately everything uh, been closed, but I, I, you know, I try and, I try and stay somewhat, uh, ape, I guess, but. I guess jeans must have something to do with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a, it's helpful. I, I, I definitely find myself uh, learning new stretches for my forearms and wrists just to kind of try to alleviate some of the tightness sometimes. Well, um, the older I've gotten, the, the more I've had to figure that kind of stuff out with the stretching. And mm-hmm. it's not definitely not as easy as it used to be. And yeah. I feel twice as much in a, in the next day as I do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I, I I remember the first time I moved to Keg, um, <laughs> where I, I I got so, I got so used to just kind of throwing kegs around in the walk-in, and one day I was doing that, and the, and then I couldn't move for a week. I was like, "What the yeah. fuck just happened?" It's like, right. that's what happens when you throw your back out, you know? Yeah, you got gotta lift, you know, you gotta do the lift with your legs thing, you know, and mm-hmm. gotta remind yourself you look like an idiot when you do it, but at least you're, at least <laughs> yeah, you. But at least at least you get to walk away from it, right? Yeah, for sure. Totally. <laughs> yeah, especially in the keg, in, the, in like the keg rooms or the walk-ins, you know, I feel like it's it's so easy to uh, to just start throwing those around because a lot of times they can get cluttered or you got to stack them on top of each other. So. Sure, you're in keg blue, you're in a hurry, you're you're not thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. You grab I, a line, uh, pull it this way, next thing you right. know, you can't move. I, did, uh, I pulled some muscle tissue and my ribs and muscle tissue in my back doing that. So mm. try to, I always try to remember not to, not to run around in there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Always move with the, with intention. That's why I try That's, to tell people, you know, to pay attention right. to what you're doing. Otherwise you're going to leave. Early. That's right. <laughs> um, nice. So, but, uh, okay. Anyways, old fashioned. I want to jump into the old fashioned and do a little cocktail history on it. That's one of the ones we haven't done yet. Amazingly enough, I think we've done the margarita and the Manhattan on the show. Um, 
it's funny because the old fashioned is like the first cocktail, right? Yeah. One of our the, first cocktail on the show we did was a Sazerac, which is another argument for the first cocktail. So, we'll, oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but alas, now we are here. We've made it this far. Um, and the history of the old fashioned is kind of fun too, because it, it's, um, it actually, I don't think it initially started out as a whiskey drink. Um, the, the, so the first reference of the drink, um, goes back to 1806. It's actually, I have the date, May 6, 1806. In hmm. um, an issue of the Balance and Columbian Repository in Hudson, New York. Um, they, That's where it was discovered? Well, so this is the first time it was documented. I imagine it was probably discovered before that because it's a pretty simple cocktail as far as the ingredients go. Right. Um, but they, they were just describing the definition of the word cocktail. Um, and they said it was, uh, a concoction of spirits, bitters, water, and sugar, um, which essentially is an old fashioned. Some people thought it referred to as like a sling with bitters in it, you know, like just fruit juice and, and spirits and water. Um, <clears throat> but I think, was so, it made, what was it originally made with? I've heard some different, uh, yeah. So J.E. Alexander describes the cocktail in 30, 1833 um, as being rum, gin, or brandy, waters, bitters, sugar. Um, and then, let's see, in 18, what was that? 1862, Jerry Thomas included it in his cocktail book, uh, The Bartender's Guide and How to Mix Drinks. Um, <clears throat> and in that book, I think that was like the next... Thing it was listed in and probably the only thing that we can still find like as a bartender book you're not going to find the, the the magazine but you can still find the jerry thomas bartender's guide um but it uh let's see it the book contains a recipe for an old-fashioned holland gin cocktail is what they called it um so it was a whole phrase so this was with a lump of sugar in a whiskey glass with um Water, ice, two dashes of bitters, lemon peel, and one jigger or two ounces of Holland gin um, mixed with a bar spoon and served. That's what I had heard. Gin also mm -hmm. was the. Yeah, was it, the, and it could have been even like a Genever or like the G E N E V E R, whereas aged, so a lot of times those can be like aged in barrels, and so they, they take on some whiskey characteristics too, and so it was a simple transition from Genever to whiskey as whiskey became the dominant spirit in America. Um, back in the time, in that time. When it switched over to, to whiskey, do you, do you know? Um, I have, I have all kinds of resources right in front of me. So <laughs> in 1880, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, they give credit to a place called the Pendennis Club for making the very first old fashioned um, with whiskey, I imagine. Uh, James Pepper is the bartender um, and he was a bourbon aristocrat. Hmm. said to have invented the drink in Louisville before he brought the recipe to the Waldorf Astoria Hotel Bar in New York City. So supposedly they're, they're, they're saying it was created in 1880. By, let's see. Bourbon Aristocrat, that's a good title to have. Right? I, I want to know how to get that title. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Probably have to make bourbon or drink bourbon or at least be a, a fine aficionado, aficionado of it. Well, that sounds like you are ready, so... <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> thanks. There's a fun fact. Uh, so in eight, February 15th, 1880, uh, the Chicago Daily Tribune, here you go, uh, announced that Samuel Tilden, the 25th mayor of New York and former Democratic candidate for the U.S. presidency, had withdrawn from the, the election. So very timely. Um, in this article, the author mentions how Tilden's withdrawal was met with hot whiskeys, scotch, and Irish, particularly the latter. Sour mashes and old-fashioned cocktails were drank in honor of the event. Hmm. Interesting. First reference of it being a party drink there in 1880. They must have really hated him, huh, Tilden? <laughs> well, that, that was a... He withdrew, and they. I think that the 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 Irish back then were were heavy Democrats, and so I think that there it was a wallowing event. Maybe not. Maybe they enjoyed it. It's open to interpretation. Let's say. <laughs> I'm sure there were people celebrating, and there were people bummed out. That's true. <clears throat> um, and it's fun to, to see. So there's actually a guy that, that does cocktail histories on YouTube and it's like how to drink, I think is what the, the, uh, the show is called. I've seen quite a few of those. Yeah. That guy's really fun. He did a really cool um, old fashioned episode. We'll, we'll make a video of our own cause we have our own YouTube channel, <laughs> but he had, um, I think he has a few more resources than I do. That guy's a whole bar behind him. Um, yeah. It seems like an expensive set. He's, he's, uh, he's <laughs> yeah. I think he's running out of one of his friend's bars or something like that. Oh, <laughs> I, I could be wrong, um, but uh, they he he made an episode where he he made the old fashioned and he made every version of the old fashioned he could find, and so there were like six oh really ten of them on the table, yeah. And he went through and tried them all and was pretty shit faced by the end of it. <laughs> that sounds like a good job. <laughs> yeah, it's real rough. <laughs> Make all these drinks and then drink them. <laughs> right. Oh, all right. Um, Say which one he liked best. Do you remember? I think he liked um, one of the more current ones because it's, it's funny to see it over the years. So he made one with, with gin and then he made the Don Draper one where you muddle the cherry in it. Yeah. Um, and then he moved on to just more of the classic, just, you know, real clean, just stirred um, little citrus sugar bitters done. And I think those were the ones that he kind of landed on. Um, how do you make your old fashioned? Even, well, even since when I started, it's even changed, you know, in the last years. I make it. Uh, you're familiar with the Wisconsin old-fashioned uh, recipe at all? Um, I don't know. I call the Wisconsin old-fashioned. They make it a certain way in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So I use a, a packet of sugar. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, two dashes of bitters. I muddle a, cher a cherry and an orange, mm -hmm. and then I use uh, whiskey, uh, either rye or, or you know. Sometimes I like. Uh, Depending on you know what I what I'm in the mood for something sweet or not, and then soda water, okay. splash soda water, and uh, also in Wisconsin they'll use uh, ginger ale, mm -hmm. you know, or they'll use squirt sometimes. So that, you know if they want to if you want it sweet, uh, yeah. you can get squirt or Seven Up or, or or sour. You get soda water or ginger ale. So okay, I've heard of that. I've definitely heard of that one. I, I think I've made I've made a couple with soda water over the years from per, uh, upon request. Yeah, I get yelled at quite a bit about from other bartenders. Sure, uh, people can be pretty doing? judgmental, man. I tell you. <laughs> oh my God, it's uh, arguments. Arguments. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny though because the, with the old fashioned, it's it's got kind of a loose history. But with all cocktails, really, they do, and a lot of them are open to interpretation. And people have 
you know, who taught them how to make it. But the, right. the old fashioned has, you know, like I said, eight different ways to make it. And, and those are all right, depending on what, you know, what part of the country or what area you're from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, that's totally, uh, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The younger bartenders think, you know, I'm, I'm a moron, but then anybody my age or older tends to make it the same way that I make it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's just a matter of who taught you how to make it essentially. Right. right. I was always taught, um, where's my bar spin? I'd get a bar spoon and then, and then you'd take it. If you don't have a, we'd always have the sugar cubes. And so we'd do a sugar cube in the bar spoon right. and then just soak that with bitters, hit it with two or three hits and then just drop that into your cup, kind of smash it up make a little bitter sugar paste. Um, and then I would do, I'd squeeze the orange in there and like press it a little bit with the muddler just to get the, the oils out of the peel. Right. Yep. And then I dump fresh ice on top of that in like a mixing glass and then I'd pour my whiskey on top of that usually a two ounce pour or, or so a pretty heavy whiskey pour like a rocks whiskey pour not quite a double um and then I'll stir that and put that over and strain that over fresh ice and then garnish with like a orange peel and a cherry so no no mix whatsoever just 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 the whiskey and the bitters and the mm -hmm. right yeah so that that's where the like I said, I'll get the juice from the orange and then I'll pour the fresh ice on top and then and try to melt some of that ice with the warm whiskey and then you stir it a little bit and then pour all of that over fresh ice. So you're getting water as an, as an element in it too. It's just um, off of the melted ice instead of uh, from, the, from the gun. I'm curious when, when those things, when did that, when did the, when did that change? Because that's pretty much the norm now, I think, you know. People uh, let's see. I actually have, well... Keep going. 2000 or something it, it, it seems like things kind of recipes started to change up when the cock the new cocktail craze started to come back mm -hmm. around yeah like 2000 to 2005 i feel like is when we really uh maybe like 2005 to 10 is really when like the 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 cocktail craze kind of started coming back and everybody wanted they were moving away from their cosmopolitans and lemon drops and trying to get like some old school spirits you know like right. Negronis and old fashions and manhattans and French 75s and everybody just started looking on the internet for cocktails that used to be made. <laughs> Dump the bartender. What was that? Dump the bartender, you know, yeah. they try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was one of their fun things to come in and try to try to look cool, ask you for a drink, you know how to make so they can tell you how to make it. it gives them some yeah. sort of importance that night. Who told you, who told you to order that? Your grandmother? Like, come on. You don't, yeah. you don't, that is get out yeah. of here. Totally. I remember like the first time I had, well, that Manhattan's used to be like a grandmother drink, right? That was, that was everybody's grandma drank a Manhattan and nobody else drank a Manhattan. And then it became, right. it became like everybody drank them for a few years there. And now they're, and now they're just kind of commonplaces. They're as common, I think, anymore as martinis. Yes, I agree. I agree. You know, Which it was, was huge. <laughs> martinis yeah. kind of ruled for a long time. Yeah, and then it was, uh, Vodka cranberries or screwdrivers. Seems like that was in the, in the 90s, everything was uh, juice orientated, you know. Mm -hmm. Something it, was, it was juice or like shot and mixer, like rum and coke, whiskey right. coke, whiskey sprite. Yep. Right, and Just, then vodka orange, vodka grapefruit, gin and juice. <laughs> that's right. Thanks a lot, Snoop Dogg. Right, he ruined it for everybody. <laughs> but it also, I mean... I gotta say, like I worked in a nightclub for a little while, and those drinks were the best to make in a nightclub because they're easy to crank out at a high volume. 
Yeah, you don't want to be taking uh, 10 minutes, you know, trying to. No. Yeah, I'm not trying to make old fashions for a room of 500 people. <laughs> That's been my argument for years, you know. It's not not feasible to do that. You know, why do you want to, why do you want to complicate everything, make it harder? Yeah. Yeah, you just got to learn the room a little bit, you know. Right. See what's happening in the room and then go with what everybody's doing. Don't try to be a. Right. Don't be that one cog that slows everything down. What they want, right? And that's what I still, I love old fashioned. It's probably still one of my favorite drinks. It's so easy to like have simple or to, to mess with. I made, I remember one time I made a, uh, we were getting weird and we made, it was kind of an old fashioned, but it turned into like a whiskey sour almost because we used um, egg white with it and a little, and the, like the, the orange citrus. And I, I, uh, I had a bacon washed. Uh, whiskey and so we did like a bacon and eggs old-fashioned that sounds delicious it was pretty um yeah and you have like the orange in there for the citrus and so it, it's a, it's a nice little like breakfast cocktail i ran through the smoker at a barbecue place i worked with uh yeah, very good too nice yeah i love i love getting the, the smoker involved or you get one of those smoke guns where you can just kind of infuse individual cocktails those are pretty sweet too <clears throat> Haven't had a chance to play with one too much, but I keep seeing videos of them, and it's on my wish list. I don't trust myself with that with anything high tech like that. <laughs> That's why I get Kelly here. She 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 uh, she reads the instructions and explains it kind of slowly to me in in small words. Well, at least you got somebody to hold a fire extinguisher, I guess, in case she's yeah. great. <laughs> exactly. I always have I always have uh, uh, someone there on on fire duty. <laughs> <laughs> So what does a shift look like for you right now with you guys shut down? Just kind of a lot of answering the phone and boxing up to go food? Or? Yeah, well, we don't we don't serve food where I'm at, but we do have a packaged goods license. So we're allowed to stay open because we can sell beer to go. Oh, like nice. Bottles of booze and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what has we're that always been. Um, you guys have always had that? That hasn't been like since pandemic. Who has an option, a liquor license? Uh, where you you know if you pay a certain amount more you could be a package goods sure. uh, not a lot but anymore for whatever reasons there's not a lot of them left but the place I work at is is pretty old school so it's like 1960 in there so, <laughs> nice. so that's what so yeah I just that's what I do it's also connected to a uh, uh, to a uh, SRO hotel upstairs so I could take in rents you know I do stuff uh, concerning the tenants upstairs. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, yeah, since, since pandemic here, Washington has always had some pretty strict liquor laws, but um, we, we are now allowed to serve any alcohol to go. Like I can make a cocktail and put it in a, in a container. As long as there's not a straw hole in that container, they can take it home. Yeah, they had something like that here also where that was uh, extremely forbidden where mm -hmm. to go for, for that, you know, but, but now you could do it. Uh, they're really playing jazz with the rules. I don't think anybody really has an idea what's what's going to work or how to, how to really help, you know, there's they're trying any. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the amount of restaurants that are shutting down too, it's like the ones that are there have to do something new Yeah. to, you know, to keep business going and to be able to pay the employees that show up to work. Right. I, I have a feeling over half when this thing is over, at least half the restaurants and bars are going to be gone. So every week, yeah. there's five of them that have closed, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more and more the, the, you know, this shutdown is definitely going to do that. 
uh, going to push that along even farther. I still think, though, that I don't know. I mean, I try to look at it from both sides because I know, like I said, been working in it and, and it's not necessarily working right now anyways. Right. The, the people aren't coming out. Most of the, right. I mean, I work for a, 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 a regionally famous chef, I should say. His name's Tom Douglas. You know, he was back on Iron Chef back, like back in the 90s and he beat uh, Morimoto. Um, but he, he's kind of Seattle's, uh, a Seattle son, like chef in Seattle, about 13 restaurants before all this hit. Um, and, and since we, we're, we're running about two, two and a half. Um, <clears throat> Are the other ones closed or are they just on temporary? Uh, so, temporary? yeah, the three of them so far have closed permanently. Um, the rest of them, um, I think we're just waiting to see what the, what the building owners do because um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're, getting, if they're getting their full rent or anything. And so it's just a matter of, of if they're going to give him room to wait until we can open again or, or if they just try to, force force them out so they can try to get some other business that won't work in that spot <laughs> who they start a business now it's uh hmm? it's like it'd be worthwhile to work with a tenants you know it's you're going to kick somebody out how are you going to get somebody in there who's going to be who's going to open up a restaurant right now anyway it's yeah i mean the the the, the if you're going to open up a restaurant the, the smartest thing to do right now is just to be go get a food truck <laughs> i feel like that's that's the only way you could even serve food around town I think that the, the the only businesses that are are really staying open it, it seems like not hundred percent, but you know if, if the if they own the building, then I think they're in a little bit better shape. They're not going to mm -hmm. have to. I can't. Have, yeah, they don't have as much overhead. I can't imagine trying to own a business and having to come up with rent during all this stuff. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, especially in some of these big cities with the big city rent prices for some of those units. It's 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 <laughs> those, those those are high numbers that add up every single month for them. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but then you know it's just a matter of you know you see you see a change and and then now you see what people do with that news too. That's one thing I love about the human spirit, at least you know where whenever something happens where we get shut down and stuff doesn't work, we always seem to find a way to to make it work a different way. Or you know we evolve. That's that's in our nature, right? Well, they say in, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Is that what they say? It's absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, where, the, where there's a need, you know, people will find a way to, uh, to fulfill that need. It's easy to forget about that stuff, you know, and get bogged down, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, you know, you get wrapped up in the emotion of it all. It's, it's, it can become overwhelming for sure too, right? You know, we're just like, oh, this is what I've always known. I was just talking to my wife about that yesterday. I was like, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be able to bartend again. Um, and that's weird for me because it's kind of been part of my identity for the last 20 years. Um, I Sure. That is my, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have to be one of the only bartenders in Chicago that's had regular employment. You know, I'm not, I'm not really bartending, you know, but at least I'm, I'm still able to go into work. I, yeah. Everybody out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same. You're, you're hustling, right? Um, yeah. Finding a way to pay those bills. So that's, you said, I, I've picked up a couple gigs trying to do the same and not, neither one of them are bartending jobs, but you know, they're working in restaurants, serving people. And so it's similar to something it's similar to my skill set, right? Um, but now you know, now those are just takeout restaurants, and so I'll, I'll be there for a short time. But I mean, it's definitely not even a it's not even a part time job anymore because the hours all got cut. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. I got to leave myself notes, you know, stay positive. And... <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, that's the key for me, I think, a lot of times, is just trying to find an appreciation in it, you know, and, and just know that we're, we're working towards something, you know, we're working through this this pandemic, you know, which is, you know, something that, that you know, our parents didn't have to go through, essentially, you know, or, you know, not since the early 1900s has, has our country even seen anything like this. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to work our way through it. Be over, I guess, right, you know, one day it'll be over. And mm -hmm. myself, you know, my grandparents went through the flu pandemic and World War One, World War Two, the Depression. Hell yeah. They made it without the internet, you know. <laughs> they only had each other to talk to. <laughs> yeah, no vision, nothing, yeah. So, you know, we, we're, we're set up pretty good in this in this day and age, I think, for uh, at least for being locked in our houses. That was one thing I, that I really loved about the podcast was, um, you know, before before pandemic hit, we were, we were going, you know, consistent. I think we're on the same schedule we were actually at then. It was every other week. But for the first couple months of, of the first shutdown back in March, we we turned up the gears and, and we're doing weekly episodes for a while. And it just kind of gave gave us something to focus on, <laughs> you know. Yeah, felt like we were making, we were doing something at least, you know, and I was still able to talk to people and talk to my friends and and, and people from around the country. It still gives you um, gives you that connection that you get from the bar, right? It's one of the things I loved about bartending most was was getting was, have, was having a bar full of different accents, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah, people from all over the world in there, and you can just sit there and have a fun conversation with everybody. That's that's the that's the best part of the job, next to mm -hmm. the money. Hell yeah. You you really get to see that we're we're all not so different. <laughs> True. And you get that you get that fun reminder daily, which I think I always found that the the the, the weirder a person looks and or more interesting the person is. You know? Yeah, totally. They, 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 there's usually a reason that they look that way, and and it's usually a, a fun reason to hear about. Yeah, they have the best stories. You know exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump into uh, the my personal experience segment of the show, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to make you talk a lot. <laughs> over um, over the years, um, who is, have you have you developed some some regulars that have that have changed your life, or or just been some good people you like talking about? Anyone unique? Well, of course. I mean, that's like we were just saying. That's the, that's the best part of the job. Is those are the weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> Some good perspective, you know. The like the older ones are, are usually the ones I gravitate towards the most. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that have lived the life and uh, and can really uh, give you some wisdom, you know. Absolutely. Younger ones are just tend to be just kind of dumb, you know. <laughs> and if they want to talk, they don't have much to say. Right. Yep. It's the usual young kid stuff, you know. But it's the old guys, you know. Mm -hmm. I had a. When I first, well, not when I first started out, but when I worked at this uh, this one place, my boss was, uh, he had owned a bar uh, since, well, he had worked there during Prohibition, and it was an old Al Capone speakeasy, nice. and he, during, he, he worked there during that time as a busboy, and then uh, uh, picked up enough money and ended up buying the place, and he owned the place for, you know, 30 or 40 years, so, and the stories this guy had was unbelievable, you know, that's where I get most of my drink recipe uh are from him so whatever however he made it that's how i tend to make all my drinks nice 
alternative was enough, you know for al capone it was it's good enough for anybody else you know but <laughs> hell yeah and that, that's it's fun to keep that tradition going too right yeah. that's right there's not many people can say that you know yeah yeah that's i mean that's a really somewhat unique experience you have right. to be able to deliver that's that's fucking rad <laughs> i like that <laughs> i just love to listen you know that's what i would tell people or that's what i try and tell like the bar younger barbacks and stuff is that you know listen dude that don't talk so much and and you know i try and tell them that story you know you got to sit down and listen people have a lot to say and you can learn something you know mm -hmm. i had a boss that was you know three years out of uh hotel management school or something you know he thought he knew it all and there's a it's a lot out there you know what i mean yeah Read in a book is not really the way that's that's not the way life's gonna go you know no i'd say you learn a lot more from reading books than writing books anyways right true yeah <laughs> the fun thing is like it's something i've actually started um doing more of since pandemic hit also is i've been i've been I just went looking for like cocktail books and like bar history books. It helps with the show. You know, I get to learn about things, but it's also just super fascinating because it's American history. Cocktails are one of the things that we really own as a, as a culture. Um, you know, the mixing of drink, they, they, they mix them all over the world, but, but in America is really where it kind of took off first and, and strongest. And, you know, <clears throat> and then we went and influenced everyone else. Um, like I said, it's part of our, it's part of our culture. It's part of what's made us, you know, who we are today is, is our, you know, some of these cocktail stories really, you know, the, the, the people that, the people that found a way to, to keep the culture alive during prohibition, you know, the people that are the cocktails that were born from prohibition, you know, the right. pre-prohibition era where there was like this huge cocktail boom. And then it, you know, then they shut it down and it took us, you know, like 60 years to get back to that cocktail boom. Um, Totally. It was funny. I was actually talking about that on a previous episode where during prohibition, they, like that's where, um, that's where Coca-Cola became as big as they are. Um, because they, what people would do in restaurants, uh, before that they didn't really serve soda pop in restaurants. Um, uh, but they started serving it as a, as, um, it was, it was like a, a Coke. It was a highball. I think is what they would call it. And you'd get a glass of ice and a bottle of soda and people would pull their flask out and spike the spike the soda and have a little cocktail there um in, in public but all you really would have paid for was the the coca-cola right. 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 but then that just that just became this this thing that everybody just started um selling coca-cola because it, it was trendy <laughs> and people were pouring their booze in it but then they just started gaining a taste for it and next thing you know the, the country is addicted to soda pop who knew right yeah, and now Coca-Cola is one of the most powerful countries in the world. I saw a thing where they, they made a they made a statement that China didn't like, but then China backed off of it because it's Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's like you don't kick Coca-Cola out of your country. That's a trillion dollar industry. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> right? I like and then that's where and then that's where we got mixing alcohol with soda and it got real sugary then and and so we then we had that phase for years and then it finally kind of worked its way back around to uh drinking the spirits uh, a little more directly instead of so diluted right i noticed that too with the sugary sweet stuff it, when i started that's what was, was real popular mm -hmm. better 
and now it's uh it's not that way at all which is yeah. kind of nice that yeah was, oh. you get to see like the well just like how the how the culture evolves and how the the general taste of the of the public is moving in d- different directions you know yeah palates uh palates evolving i guess right mm-hmm. yeah i mean you can only drink so many rum and cokes before you're just sick of it <laughs> right <laughs> plus you just you just you know, all that sugar you know eventually but you know if you have if you go crazy and you drink a bunch of rum and cokes on, on a on a heavy night you know you wake up and you've you've drank almost a two liter bottle of coke <laughs> you're like oh just me oh, i don't feel good anymore are the people that drink all the, the vodka red bulls you know they have seven or eight of those yeah yeah that's that's another what? one that's that that was let's see early like Late '90s, early 2000s, I think, is when those ones hit. Yep, that's right. The vodka Red Bulls phase was like what launched us into the uh, the craft cocktail era, <laughs> or it, it pulled us back to it. Maybe <laughs> people couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, that's funny. I, I actually um, got like in 2000, 2000, I got a job working for Red Bull, and I worked for them for about a year and a half. And I remember that was right around the time that they were taken off in the bars. Like they had been in the country for a couple of years and, uh, and then they were starting to hit the bars as a mixer. And we, we were excited at the company because it was, we were selling more to the bars than we had sold to the gas stations. Right. <laughs> I remember how the taste was so weird to everybody in the beginning mm-hmm. that it was hard for people to, I mean, I think mixing with alcohol was the next logical step. Yeah, yeah, it just made it a little more bearable and less sweet. At least people were going to get hammered off of it. You know what I mean? They were more likely to drink it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Until they started mixing it with Jaeger, and then that was just a nightmare. Ugh. You ever have one of those Jaeger bombs? I've never had one in my entire life. No, man, you don't need to. It's That's just oh. a... <laughs> I, was, I feel like that was Jaeger was one of those first things that I realized. Like There was never a day after where I felt like I made good choices, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Red Bull just made you drink more of it because you were awake longer. Just That's true. Jacked up. It's dangerous. Anyway, go back to that Irish coffee. If I want to do caffeine with my alcohol. Yeah. I drank, uh, I split a bottle of Jaeger with my roommate on my 21st birthday and uh, we got separated and he ended up in jail for impersonating a police officer. So, <laughs> Jeez. The last I had Jaeger was that was the last time I ever had a Jaeger shot. So that's smart of you to uh, to walk away from that. I think that's, a, that's some good that's some good awareness around around what Jaeger is capable of. <laughs> so Maybe just seeing that being like, I don't want to do this anymore. A good adult choice. It's an yeah. adult. That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that's that's a sign you're growing up. <laughs> <laughs> You switch from Jaeger to Fernet, and then you just sip on it instead. There you go. That's exactly what I did, too. That's, yes, that's, the, that's the bartender way, my friend. <laughs> now we take a bottle of Fernet with us camping, and it's probably the best uh, like yes. coffee mixer that I can think of. <laughs> uh, um, well, uh, how about gross experiences? Anything along the way that has been truly... Uh, horrible boy <laughs> obviously the the bathrooms are the the first thing that pops in the into my mind yeah that's a common place for us in these stories. how does that how do you get it that far up on the wall like how, how did it get up there <laughs> what did you 
Like I almost, it's really, I want to know how do they do it? You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, like a lot of times it involves like throwing things. Like, <laughs> like there's no way that happened naturally. Like there, there was some, there was a second effort involved. Yes. There was some thinking. Did he bring him from home in a separate container? Like, how did, <laughs> cause I try and figure out, you know, if I don't know, you know, who was in, I don't know who was in the bathroom and I try to figure out who did it. And there's no telltale signs on anybody, you know, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but I do have a, I, I have worked places where my clientele is uh, slightly elderly and uh, they tend to lose, um, what's the right word, maybe? Uh, they tend to lose their ability to keep it all together. So I might, you know, I would have to get the mop out uh, mm. and like, College degree? What the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There I am, you know, thirty years later, mopping up, you know, I don't, even, God knows what, you know. <laughs> That's what. At least it's a mop and not your hands. You know, right. it's, not, it's not a bar towel for your hands and knees. <laughs> it could always be worse, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get you get. All, all all the fluids in one in one shift that's never yeah <laughs> that's like that's usually on a full moon or something I yeah oh yeah the full moons man mm -hmm. for sure people don't believe that but that's really that's totally true don't you think i was gonna say yeah let's talk about that for a second because it's i feel like bartenders and like er nurses are, are some of the only people that really talk about it yeah. <laughs> intensely we're like well i know i know people that do not believe in astrology whatsoever but they still get superstitious on a full moon Correct. yes Yes, I work and I find out it's a full moon. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Here we, go. you know. Yeah, especially this year, I was I was nervous because what was it? It was Halloween was on a Saturday, and it was a full moon. Yes, and it was a blue moon or something. Yes, <laughs> on 2020, it's like what the fuck? We don't need this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. That's true. <clears throat> that's I think easy. people. Especially people are a little meaner anyway. I don't know if you've noticed that, but during full moon? No, just in general. People already have an edge because of what's been going on. Oh, because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah, had the full moon wackiness in it. And it's like a <laughs> Yeah. People people get weird. I think a big part of that, and I'm not an anti mask guy, you know, I feel like we're you know, we're all wearing masks and we're trying to keep right. things safe. But I think, you know, when, when you only see this much of somebody and you cover up, you know, three quarters of their face and we're wearing a hat and all you can see is their eyes, it definitely right. removes a little bit of the human element, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, people don't connect as much, you know, when, when you can't see what somebody looks like. It, it, like or it's, it's taking people longer to figure it out, at least. I don't want to say that they don't, but it's definitely been a big, uh, big hurdle for, for some. No, I agree. It's, it's hard for people. You know, everyone's going a little wacky. Yeah. 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 And said now is, now is the time for, for patience and understanding, I think more than ever. Right. So that's because people are so, people are so emotional and, and frustrated, you know, that, that there's, there's, there's no conversing with someone who's in that state, you know, no. you, just, you just really have to just be like, eh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> sure. Right. This is where all the, the the work, you know, that's where working in a, in the bar and restaurant business comes in handy. Is, you know, he's mm -hmm. irrational. I think we can handle a little bit better than some people, you know. But still, it's a, still a challenge, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, just maintaining the peace. <laughs> that's 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 part of part of the job. Cool. Um, okay, next question. I, uh, this is one of my favorites. Um, it's my self care. So in today's world, especially COVID and all this, they're just in everyday life. Um, what what are some of the tools you use to find balance? Um, in, in all of it, like stress relief, you know, what, what, what gives you, uh, kind of that Zen? Mm. Well, I started, uh, I try and do at least, you know, like five or 10 minutes of a quick uh, meditation in the morning. And then, uh, before I go to sleep, mm -hmm. uh, not, I don't, I don't I'm not like a super meditator dude or anything, but just something where I try and take a couple minutes and, uh, remember wow, you know, what is good in my life and what I'm, you know, thankful for and try and re remind myself that things will get better. And, mm -hmm. you know, not, yeah. this is be a forever thing and it'll be okay, you know, and, and that, uh, surprisingly that helps, uh, quite a bit for me, you know, just a couple of minutes, it plants the idea and I guess in the back of my head. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that. I think a lot of, successful people have have time where they where they they set aside daily for for you know just just acknowledging their gratitude it sets you on a good path like you said i mean when when yeah. you're when you're intentionally being grateful for you know the good things in your life that puts your focus on those good things too and then you tend to nurture them more yeah that's 100% right that's that's true 100% that's how I, how I view it awesome man that's really cool i like that a lot um, cause it, I, I quote Tony Robbins a lot cause, cause I'm, I'm a fan, but he has a saying, he says, where, where focus goes, energy flows. And that's, 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 all. Yeah, that's basically what that is. You know, you're, you're, you're take, you're using the tools you have to kind of, you know, use your brain in the, in the best way, you know? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else uh, feels that way besides me. Huh? Absolutely, man. I, that's like I said, it's my favorite question. I like, I love to hear how people deal with stress and how they kind of get through the hard times in life. And the more I hear, like it helps me grow too. And I get to share with everybody. Um, and you know, the things that work, you find out along the way, you know, we, we you know, <laughs> it, there's definitely things that work consistently. And, and, and so those are the things worth paying attention to for sure. Sure. Man. That's good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, cool. Um, so, in teachable moments um this is like my improve the industry category it's it's and we did that a little bit earlier where you know you look back and you tell the younger people um, right you know the people coming in you know give them like the the um the advice, one advice from the mentor kind of thing right yeah. uh, is there anything you wanted to add on to that um because I, I mean what you said earlier is is perfect too. I mean, just yeah. learning to listen and, and, um, one other thing I would say is that it's, uh, it's remind somebody, it's not always about me. It's not supposed to be about me. You know, the job is that, you know, you're there to represent the, the place you work, you know, it's yeah. not about you're not the superstar, you know, you, you're just a cog in the wheel and you know, you got to project a, a, you know, a good image, you know, for the plate yeah and then you'll you'll re, you'll benefit from that you know but i i hate going to bars uh i hate i call them star tenders you know people mm -hmm. that 
bartenders that think they're, uh, you know, a superstar and people come in here to me and you know, I got a following of this many people, blah, blah, blah. I just, that's a bunch of BS, I think, you know, it's yeah, not a good way to, those people don't last very, they don't have any longevity in the business very long. Well, I feel like there may be some validity, like, sure, you may be a great bartender, but you combined with your surroundings are what people are coming to see. Yeah. Like they're not just coming to see you, and there may be like ten people that are, but as far but that's not a clientele, you know. That's right. not the whole basis. Like a lot of people come to that bar because they love the liquor on the shelf, the food that's coming out of the kitchen, the the bartender that's there, the lighting, the music. It's, yep. it's, it's so many other elements. And one thing I, I I try to tell people is is like never call yourself a superstar. Let someone else do that. You know. Right. That's if, right. If, if you're a superstar, then you'll be acknowledged. You know, you don't need to continually tell people that you know it's that's, that's that's just some of the humility i think that you need to learn along the way too and those guys will learn it if they stay in the industry for any amount of time you know because uh, sooner or later you know uh, mm -hmm. yeah you got to stay humble that's a that's a that's a good uh that's another key it's yeah. a tricky you know it's a tricky business and it, i think anybody that's been in it for longer than 10 years is legally insane <laughs> yeah. and uh they have a lot but they have a lot to uh they have a lot to teach people you know and mm -hmm. they're still around they're doing something right or that you know and so maybe they they have a couple ideas you know about like what you know you're doing a good thing you know you're getting the word out there and you're interviewing different people and you, you could always learn something from that you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, thanks man that's that's really like the my goal with this whole show is to just have some sort of so have a place where we can ha keep our stories and, and to mentor the, the next generation coming up, you know, the, the, especially now that, you know, we, we're not even in bars they'll be, they'll be back, but you know, we can still teach people, you know, the, the right and wrong ways to do things. And hopefully yeah. Hopefully the leg up on the next, on the next step. You're right. Like, like to tack on what you said earlier, it's, it's to, to remember that you're in the service industry, you know, it's not about right. you, you're, you're here to serve. Yep. <laughs> and, and if you look at serving, that's, it's like giving to other people of, of yourself and, and your, your, your fares, you know, and so it's, it's not called the me industry, right? No, no, not at all. If it was, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, be half as lucrative. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd be sitting alone every night. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Somewhat in that, in the vein of improving the industry and the teachable moments, um, I have my uh, recommendations. It's uh, just like secrets, little tricks of the trade. Um, or I think since COVID started, we've just been doing recommendations on anything. If there's a <laughs> there's a good book, a good TV show, band you like, or or if there's something in the bar industry specifically that that um, that you think uh, is is a fun trick of the trade. Well, let me see here. There's, as far as the industry goes, I think one of the, the things that I, if you are at a bar or, or uh, a place where they allow you to drink behind the bar, mm -hmm. if uh, do half shots, always seems to work out pretty good. With a customer always wants to buy you a drink because I worked at places uh, that if you, everyone you did a shot with everybody that wanted you to do one, you'd do, you'd do half a bottle of, of booze, you know. So yeah, the half shot is always a good trick, and you know. People don't, people accept that they won't get too agitated. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's one reason I like drinking out of my little, uh, my little metal cup here. Cause then yep. you, can't, you can't even see how much I'm pouring in it. So it is. That's what I, I do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I have the 
It exact... holds like two and a half, three ounces, but, yep. but I'll, you know, I'll fill it up like a quarter or halfway, and then you can sip yep. on that. I got a four or ounce. Or fill cup. it up all the way, and you get lit before everyone else. Too. There you go. Yeah, who knows? It's a mystery. Just depends on the day, man. That's right. <laughs> I like that. So the be be aware. Well, that's just that's that's a big self awareness um, tip too, right? Because you're, yeah, you have to know, you have to know what alcohol does to you individually. Like if, yeah. if and and then you have to know your your <laughs> your drunk barometer, right? So you got to know like where you are on each one of those things and being aware yeah. of yourself. So if you you're, you're working that shift and someone buys you a shot and you, you, you hear yourself getting a little too loud. You're like, Oh no. Okay. All right. Time to dial it down. Yep. I've woken up plenty of times, not knowing where my tips went from the night before. And it's, <laughs> that's not a good feeling, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I've done that before you, you got you te- you call the AM guy and you're like, are my tips in the jar still? <laughs> They're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You left $200 in cash and behind the bar last night. Uh, yep. I've had plenty of times. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> like all right well buy yourself breakfast and save me the rest you know that's right yep <laughs> that way they at least get something out of it you know you're getting something back well they need an incentive right to be honest yeah i mean we're bartenders <laughs> we're not priests so yeah, okay. right. there's got to be something in it for them that's sure. <laughs> well tony i think that's getting us right up to the uh to the tail end of this thing that should get you uh Get you to your uh, to your job in time. Thanks, buddy. It's last call. Um, we did our shot. Unless you want to do another shot, I'm I'm good right now. I'll do another one. All right. <laughs> um, so at last call, I like to say um, it's last call. Here's a shot. That's for you. And Thank now you. it's your shot to talk about any kind of projects or social media or anything that uh, that you feel would deserves attention. Well, thanks. I wish I had something exciting to say and, and can promote myself, but I, I don't. Well, what, bar, what bar are you at? I work at a bar called Richard's. At uh, Richard's in Chicago? Yep. It's just an uh, old school tavern. Nice. Uh, it's hard boiled eggs. Uh, <laughs> hard boiled eggs and beer and, and old fashions. Right. Stop in if you're ever in town. Hell yeah, man. I will, I will absolutely be in touch. Um, if and when I get to Chicago, I, uh, <laughs> I like to travel around and get to places and say hi to people um, Good, for sure. And if you're ever in Seattle, same. Yeah. Let, Likewise. Uh, hit us up and we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a life from the well meetup and have some drinks. There you something. go. I like it. Thanks <laughs> awesome, buddy. Man. Yeah. Cheers. Um, well that wraps up one more life from the well. Thank you, uh, to all of you for listening. Uh, and thank you, Tony, for coming on and sharing your stories. Um, this was, this was, it was a lot of fun. Um, thanks to the den mother, Kelly, you, you sit, you, uh, as always keep us on track and make it sound good. And that's badass. Um, until next time, be good to each other, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. Thanks for listening to life from the well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.